On today's episode of the Fed and Fit Podcast, I'm answering your questions. We're talking about everything from how I transitioned my blog from a hobby to a business, some of my favorite skincare products, tips for getting out of the mindset of calorie counting, and what we feed my Fed and Fit Gus. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to episode 51 of the Fed and Fit podcast. I'm just tickled to have you here. So today is kind of a uh, unusual episode. I like to do these every once in a while just to kind of keep things fresh and let you guys know that I'm listening to your questions and I'm happy to answer them. Um, so today we are doing an Ask Me Anything episode, and really what this entails is a couple days ago I posted on social media that I was going to record an Ask Me Anything episode, and I asked you guys to submit some questions, and you did. You gave me some great ones, so I'm going to take my time working through them. You've got some really good questions here lined up. And if you are interested in asking me more questions that I don't answer in today's show, or if I don't get to your question, um, please feel free to shoot me an email. I will do my best to get to it. You can contact me through the contact form on my website. Um, Or you can shout out on social media. I'm on, of course, Instagram and Facebook, but I've recently started to dabble in the Snapchat world. So um, I... Snapchat makes me feel like I'm 97 years old because I don't really understand it all that much, Um, but I'm committed. We're going to figure this bad boy out. I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of Gus videos and random happenings from the day there. So, and luckily, if you guys remember that um, Fed and Fit college student mini-series that I did with my sister and higher education expert pro, Samantha Garcia, um... She uh, she is committed to help me figure out this Snapchat thing because apparently she's got it all figured out. So we're gonna we're gonna get through it. Alrighty. So today's episode, um, like I said, it's an ask me anything, and in no particular order, I'm just gonna go ahead and start rolling through some of these questions. And I haven't prepared any of these, so you guys are getting off the cusp uh, kind of answers, just as if we were on a phone call and you you ran a question by me and I told you just what I thought because I wanted to make sure it was as genuine as possible. I didn't want anything to sound rehearsed by any means. Alrighty, let's get into it. First question is by Roll Paleo on Instagram. And Roll Paleo asked, Hi Cassie, I'd love to hear more about what prompted you to transform your blog from a hobby to a business and how you went about that transition. Thanks. Sorry this isn't a question, just something I'd like to hear more about. Hope that's okay. Of course that's okay, Roll Paleo. <laughs> Anytime you want to ask a question like that, I would, I'd love to share more about stuff like this. It's something that I'm really passionate about. And it's actually funny because you've, I have found that um, folks who start their own business start off because they're passionate about the subject that they're working within. And then as the years go by, Because running a business almost becomes, you know, this huge kind of, oh goodness, profession to tackle in and of itself. You know, you almost have to become a professional business person, not just a nutrition consultant, not just a recipe developer. You also become a businesswoman. 
And so people tend to become really passionate about running businesses and starting businesses. So this is something I love to talk about. Long story short, um, folks who've also gotten really passionate about businesses are like Diane Sanfilippo and the Merrymaker Sisters are starting to branch off as well. So tell you more about, let's see, what prompted you to transform your blog from a hobby to a business and how you went about that transition. Um, so let's see, I started Fed and Fit in the summer of 2011. And that was about, I would say, six months after I, quote, arrived at my, you know, transformation care of paleo and CrossFit and yoga. Um, and what I mean by that, if you're unfamiliar with my story, my transition was uh, about nine to 12 months spent following a pretty, um, I would say, no fluff kind of paleo lifestyle template. Um, one that I've actually introduced and summarized and refined a little bit and rolled that into the Fed and Fit project, um, which I can tell you about in a little bit. Um, but I followed that for about nine to 12 months, rolled that in with a mixed fitness program, because as you guys know, food and fitness really go hand in hand. If you're really looking for to make, you know, get the biggest bang for your effort, I should say. Um, so about six months after I lost 10 dress sizes and lost 10 pounds. And like, I just felt like I woke up for the first time in my life. I had more energy. Um, my skin looked better. I just felt more like myself. I was so happy. And friends and family started asking me, you know, as I'm sure those of you listening who've been through a transition like this, everyone wants to know, oh my gosh, what the heck did you do? Everything, you just are radiant. What, what are you doing? And so I would tell them what I was eating and what I was doing, and they started asking for recipes. So I started off just sharing the recipes that I was making for myself over and over again. Um, and of course, I would email them. And then I got the bright idea. A friend of mine, the first blogger I knew, um, she's since retired from blogging, but her name is uh, Jenna Bo, and she is the blogger behind Eat, Live, Run. And... I had been, I'd gone to California and made some recipe, some of my recipes that were kind of in my back pocket. My kale salad, I remember being one of them, my strawberry, or not strawberry, excuse me, my pomegranate kale salad. It's one that I've rolled into my ebook, my holiday ebook, for example. Anyways, I remember being in California and I had, I'd made a bunch of food and Jenna came over and she was encouraging. She says, you really need to take this onto the web, you know? People would really love these kinds of recipes. Um, it seems like you've got just a really good perspective on healthy eating. So if honestly, if it hadn't been for her encouragement, I don't think I would have really thought about it. So I went for it. I started a blog. I went to wordpress.com, which is the template. If you're familiar with wordpress.com versus wordpress.org and the difference, .com is the template where WordPress technically owns your material. I think that's how it goes. Can you know, put on the kid gloves. These are layman terms as far as I understand it. But um, in a WordPress.com template, you download one of their templates and they provide all of your hosting for you. So it's a pretty sweet way to start off. Um, and I blogged there for about two years and I just kept sharing recipes and really it was a way to put stuff up there and friends and family would be able to find access to the things that I was making and the things that I was using to find my own success, which is a story that you'll hear over and over again in the blog world. Why did we start our healthy food and fitness blog? Because we had our own success story and we wanted to find a way to share it. 
Um, and so the transition, which is really what you're asking about, where I decided, you know what, I think there's more potential here and I really think I want to make something of this. Kind of, it, you know, it didn't all happen at once. It kind of all happened, it, it was dominoes, so to speak, that were being tipped over in my life I didn't even realize. Um, I went to a health careers high school in San Antonio, Texas. So the healthcare profession or field was always one that I was really focused on. Um, and I was pre-med in college. I went to Texas A&M University, fighting Texas Ag class 2008. Woo! And um, I graduated from college, pre-med, took all my MCATs and had everything ready to go and decided I wanted to work for a primary care physician who could show me what it was like in a clinical setting, who could also show me what it would be like to be an, a manager because I was also thinking about going and getting um, like a uh, an admin a healthcare admin degree um, for my master's. And I was also considering a career in public health at that point in time. Um, so I was in between, you know, that clinical practice, um, administration, and public health. And this physician offered me kind of perspective on all three of those industries. And it was a really unique experience, and I really, really learned a lot. And what I walked away from that experience was she was a physician who stressed, put a lot of stress on nutrition. And something just kind of clicked in my mind that. Really, I didn't, in my heart of hearts, I didn't want to help people just get better. I wanted to keep them from having to go to the doctor at all. And so, you know, admitting these patients and running all of these tests, I was kind of acted as a medical assistant in some regards, started a phlebotomy program. I mean, it just broke my heart to see folks who were um, just sick and new ways that they could they could right size it they just didn't know how they just didn't know how to put rubber to the road um so you know that was something i had logged away and after i found my own transition through paleo and crossfit that kind of resurfaced as a, a distinct passion of mine and so after two years of the blog running and my working in other industries i decided to go back and get a certification as a nutrition consultant and so i think that that decision choosing to go back to school and become a certified nutrition consultant really was a turning point for me that's when i kind of voiced it to the world really just my family and my friends um you know what i am this is not just a hobby I'm going to pursue this even further. I want to learn more of the whys so that I can communicate more of the hows. Um, and so I did that. And then along the way, to be honest, things just kind of snowballed. I really, I'm a big believer in if you dedicate yourself to something that you feel strongly about and you're a good person and you operate with integrity and you do, you do good work, you just, you just work, you dedicate yourself to something and you see it through um, life will happen for you. And the life of my business happened. Um, colleagues that I've, colleagues and friends that I've come across in the industry have really breathed life into my business in ways that I never thought possible. Um, and a part of that is because I was just out there and I was working and I just, I just put myself out there. This podcast is a really good example. Um, this podcast started a year ago. It was January um, the first week in January that we launched the first episode, Carissa and I went on in this together. And, um, you know, and I was blessed by Carissa bringing up the idea that, hey, you should really start a podcast because we'd go to dinner and I would jibber jabber her ear off about stuff. And she's like, girlfriend, you uh, need an outlet for all of these thoughts that you have. 
So that's how kind of some of that stuff started. And as far as transitioning, monetizing my blog, um, I really just started asking other folks how they monetized. A part of that was getting signed up with different ad networks. There's a bunch of them out there and you just got to test it out and don't expect immediate payoff because a lot of ads pay you 60 days after the fact. So it has to be something that you're ready to be patient with. Um, I was encouraged to build a product and my first product that I built, my first real project was the Fed and Fit Holiday Feast ebook. That was 45 recipes. It started off, it was just going to be 20 recipes. Um, but once again, you dedicate your something that, to something that you really feel passionate about and it just will blossom in front of you. You just work really hard and you stay tuned in to what people really want and need from you. And then next thing you know, my ebook doubled in size and I decided I was also going to include meal plans and shopping lists and what to make when guides. None of that was in the original scope. But while I was flipping through the material, I just kept asking myself the question, what would I want in an ebook? Because I'm kind of a tough consumer. I am a tough sell. I do not just go out there and buy things. I, I really need to be shown the proof or shown the value. I want to see that I'm going to get a lot of bang for my buck. I want to see that you're a qualified source. And I want to see that whoever's producing a product that they believe in it. And so I just try to translate that into the work that I do. Um, so that's one of the things that I've done to help transition my blog from a, biz, um, from a hobby to a business. Um, and then lastly, I started the Fed and Fit Project. Sorry, this question's going on so much. Like I said, it's something I love to talk about. Um, but I started the Fed and Fit Project and that was a really scary move for me because... As you guys know, and I kind of talked about it in the last episode, good advice versus good advice. There's a lot of advice out there. And I really grappled with, does the world really need another food and fitness program? Do they really need it? Aren't there enough of them? Should my job just to be to, you know, say nice things on social media, help folks have a little bit of a better day and to post tasty recipes? Should that really be my job? Should I just stop it there? And um, as a true uh, information seeker, I started asking folks what they thought. I asked almost, I, could, I asked more people than you can shake a stick at. I talked to Diane Sanfilippo before I decided to go with the project, um, at least the current phase of it. I talked with Steph Godro of Stupid Easy Paleo about it. Um, I talked talk to uh, Mary Shenuda, the paleo chef, about it. Um, I wanted to put as many feelers out there Talk to folks who I really respect in the industry and get their opinion on it. Julie Bauer, of course, another one of them. Um, and overwhelmingly, everybody said, do it. Get out there, do it, put your voice out there. Whatever it is, there's somebody that it's going to benefit that another program that doesn't already exist is missing or that does already exist is missing. So that's what I did. I put my neck out there. I told all those people, number one, that I was going to do it. And so that instilled an automatic accountability system. So I was accountable to those people that I really look up to and really respect um, and lean on as friends. So that was a huge piece of me putting my neck out there was because they were expecting me to. Um, and then I just did it. And I went in with a lot of uh, grace and humility and just started to build it from the ground up. Um, I leaned on, I guess I could call them super fans, but the beta group girls that helped me out with the Fed and Fit project. There were 25 of them that I accepted into the beta program. 
totally free, but they, and it was, it was a rough go. I really just introduced the project in a Facebook group. Um, but man, they were awesome. They gave me great feedback. They were engaged the whole time. And without them, I never would have gotten to where I am today. So, you know, you just have to be patient, I guess, when you're starting a business like this. I still maintained a full-time job on the side this entire time. And I did that because the long, the more I wasn't worried about making an automatic income from Fed and Fit, I knew that I would make more balanced, rational decisions about my business. I could be, I could make decisions that maybe wouldn't make me the most money right away, but in the long run would be better for my audience. It would be better for you guys. You know, this podcast doesn't bring in a single penny. This is something I just do because I think it's a really cool way to deliver information and to connect with you guys. So monetarily, it doesn't really make sense right now. But right now, I'm not worried about, um, I guess, having to support myself entirely on Fed and Fit. That being said, I do have a team of about five people um, that are all working part-time with me. And the pennies that come into Fed and Fit go right back out to them. They go out to my web developers. They go out to the graphic designers. They go out to the two girls, uh, Megan and Kelly, who help me so much with everything. Um, to transcribe these podcasts, Amanda, shout out, she's listening. Um, and so I guess I, oh gosh, I, I'm giving you way more than you really asked for, but, um, really the transition, I'm still in the transition, I guess is what I'm trying to get at with the new release of the Fed and Fit project. There's some potential that Fed and Fit, um, will grow even larger and I'll be able to add myself to the payroll, um, but I'm not in a hurry to do that. I'm I'm more concerned about making sure that I'm doing this right. So, okay, I'm gonna move on. There's probably way more I could say. Um, Jen Penn, hey girl, she wants to know uh, what's your skincare, hair care, makeup routine, and a fave and some fave products. Thanks. Um, good question, Jen. Um, so my skincare routine is actually in transition right now, and if you are following me on Snapchat. You know that I teased this morning about some before pictures that I just took of my skin. I have dabbled in them in all of all of it. And I have a Fed and Fit Beauty column um, and I haven't posted in it in quite a while because I only really want to advertise things that work really well. You know, I don't really want to tell you guys about this new crazy face peel if I haven't used it for a month at least regularly and have experienced some really good results. And my skin, just like me as a consumer, my skin is a very picky consumer. Um, so my skincare routine is kind of up in the air right now. I did oil cleansing for almost a year, strictly oil cleansing and oil moisturizers. Um, and that did really well for a little while. Um, and I'm going to share my thoughts about why I quit oil cleansing on the blog um, in the next month or so, um, hair care routine. I actually use a product called Surface. Um, I used to know poo. I used to use the baking soda and apple cider vinegar. If you're curious about that, just Google it. And again, I will put some of these articles um, and my thoughts on them on the blog one day. Um, but I know pooed for about a year, the same year that I was doing oil cleansing method because I wanted to give it a really good go so I could talk authentically about it. And it wasn't for me, you know, after a while, my skin just, my hair just got extremely brittle. I lost inches off of my hair. Um, and I really did try a lot of different tricks to try to rectify the dryness and none of it worked. 
Um, so I have since transitioned back to a product that I really like. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a very helpful product, but it does lather, which if that's something you're trying to avoid, there are other brands like Morocco method I've used before. That's really great. It's pretty expensive. Um, but it could be a good one. It's kind of a non lather shampoo and conditioner. So more of like a mud base, which doesn't sound like it cleans your hair, but it does a pretty good job. Um, I really like the lather, you know, I'm kind of a modern girl in that regard. Um, you all will see in my beauty column that in some of the ways, although I'm a, a definitely a paleo foodie um, and I believe in functional fitness, I tend to be a little bit more of a modern girl when it comes to fashion, hair, and skin, and nails. Okay, so products. Surface is a good one. You can get it online or you can also get it from a stylist. I really like... Um, Oh goodness, I can't remember the exact name of the one that I have. It starts with a B, but it's for extra moisture. Um, and it really has saved my hair. And uh, what was the other? And makeup. Um, makeup. So I alternate between, uh, again, I'm kind of a modern girl here. I like Bobbi Brown. Um, oh, a friend of mine just started a new gluten-free vegan makeup line. It's called Eleve, E-L-E-V-E with an apostrophe over or an accent over the last E. And her name is Gertie Murray. And she was actually the makeup artist that helped with Julie Bauer and mine um, video and photo shoot this past week. Absolutely brilliant, amazing makeup. It looked great all day long. So that's something I'm gonna start looking into. Um, but yeah, those are some of my favorite products. Primally Pure. Oh my goodness, I can't say enough nice things. Bethany Joy, and maybe I like her because we share a middle name, uh, or one of the reasons I like her, but her products are just dynamite. She makes the best stuff. I use her body cream every night before I go to bed. Um, her chapsticks are in every room and every purse, so that's a really good one. Okay, Joybird Wellness. Hey, girl. Oh, I skipped one. Sorry, Joy, I'll get back to you. Um, I'm Stephtacular. Okay, she wants to know, some tips for getting out of the mindset of calorie counting slash food tracking would be great if you have any insight there. Can't remember if you talked about this on an episode or not. I can't remember if I did either. So let's roll with it. It's a good question. Okay, some tips for getting out of the mindset of calorie counting. Um, I'm going to try to keep this really succinct because at the end of the day, you just kind of have to dedicate yourself to it. But something that worked for me was, you know, when you're calorie counting and you're food tracking, um, this takes me back to the days when, let's say I did zone paleo, where I was really concerned with exact portions. Um, you start to learn what a serving looks like, right? Um, so you put those servings onto your plate and you eat lunch or dinner or breakfast and you just enjoy it. Now, one of the ways to kind of get over the hump of wondering if you had too little calories, too many calories, is to start to pay attention to how your body is really feeling after the meal. Do you feel satisfied, satiated? You know, are you going to be hungry in a couple hours? I guess the way to get over that hill is to turn the focus away from the math and science of the macros and the micronutrients on your plate and instead turn the focus on your body and what it's really telling you. Because there are going to be, um, as we will include um, a dedicated chapter in the new release of the Fed and Fit Project, certain times of the month, especially for us ladies, where our macro needs, our macronutrient needs, are widely different than at other times of the month. 
right? There are some times of the month where we need way more carbohydrates than we do at other times. So, and the only way to really know that, it's hard to really just look at a calendar and know exactly when you're gonna need to need an extra sweet potato for dinner to really feel great and to not, you know, turn into a hangry chocolate eating monster. Um, it's hard to look at a calendar and to determine that because calendars aren't always exact, but your body will always tell you. So I'm sorry this is such a vague answer, but I, you really just have to, and it's cheesy, but you really have to look within and start listening to your body and listening to what it's telling you it really wants. And just try to be something that Liz Wolf posted a long time ago. Um, you know, she's not a micro tracker or a macro tracker. She's a nutrient seeker. And I really love that. So if you think of yourself as a nutrient seeker, what is your body drawn to? Are you drawn to berries right now? Are you drawn to plantains right now? Do you have a weird craving for butternut squash? Um, it's my belief that you have these cravings because your body needs the nutrients present in those, those foods. Your body's more intuitive. Um, bodies are more intuitive than we generally give them credit for. So listen to your body and follow the advice it's trying to give you. Okay, Joybird, let's get back to you. So what does Fed and Fit Gus eat? We're thinking of adopting a dog and I'm trying to gather tips for how to care for uh, a future paleo pet. Oh, that's so exciting. I just love puppies. I think Gus needs a little puppy friend. Um, okay, so what does Gus eat? Gus eats, well, he's not 100% paleo. Um, we did try him on the Blue Diamond, I think it's Blue Diamond makes it, but the Wilderness brand, dry dog food. Um, and that is, you know, there's no grains in it whatsoever. It's just really high protein and some vegetables. And Gus was on that for about six months. And to be honest, it um, wasn't, there wasn't enough substance in that food for his sweet little system and it gave him um, runny poo-poos. So maybe that was way more than you needed to know. Um, so what we did transition him to a grain-free, or a, excuse me, a gluten-free Blue Diamond. Um, gosh, I can't remember the exact, they have a bunch of different lines of it. Um, I'll take a picture of the bag one day and post it on social media so you can see it. Um, but he really likes this, I think it's salmon and rice is one of his favorites. He also likes lamb and rice. It's essentially rice is the carbohydrate in there. Um, and then we supplement his diet with every once in a while, I'll drop a sardine, um, one of those wild planet food sardines right into his bowl. He loves that. Um, I will also, because I freeze my bone broth in ice cube trays so that I have like easier portions of them to just throw into soups and things. Um, every once in a while, I'll just throw a couple ice cubes of bone broth on his food or in a bowl, especially during the summer months, and he just loves it. Um, so those are kind of some of the things that we give him. As far as treats, I try to think of treats as an excuse to get him extra vitamins. For example, they're they're expensive, but I think they're worth it. There's these dog treats out there that are just, it's just dehydrated beef liver and there's no other ingredients. And so I, and he, Gus loses his mind over this beef liver stuff. We cannot give him these treats when other dogs are around because he, like all of his manners go out the window. He's so rude and he just shoves his way up there and he's like, um, excuse me, these are my liver treats, not yours. So we give him those, we break them up. He loves them. Um, all the great benefits of organ meats are wrapped up in there. So ultimately, you're really going to have to determine what's right for your puppy dog because it's it's different for every dog. Um, and just kind of monitor 
their energy and, you know, the not so glamorous side of monitoring their output, if you know what I mean, um, and determine their diet based on that. And you'll figure it out. It's going to take some experimenting though. Okay, man, I'm not going to make through all these. I'm sorry, guys. Okay, um, Daily Dose of Jewels. What a good username. Okay, she asks, thoughts on intermittent fasting and any suggestions on what I could do to be able to enjoy some coffee? I get so bloated now when I drink coffee, so I've stopped. However, would love to have it every now and then without feeling like I'm pregnant again. Oh, man, that is so, that's a... I'm sorry. If you love coffee and it makes you that bloated, that's pretty sucky. Heart goes out to you. Okay, Jules. Well, my thoughts, let's start from the first question. My thoughts on intermittent fasting. Um, I think that, you know, going back to my last week's episode, good advice versus good advice. I think that intermittent fasting works for some people, for sure. Um, I've tried it once upon a time. And I didn't get, like I said, I'm a hard sell. I didn't get as much out of it as I would have expected. Um, I think it's great if it's something you want to try out. I would definitely make sure that you're surrounding yourself with um, an advice giver who you really trust. Marie Shenuda, for example, the paleo chef comes to mind. I know a while back she did intermittent fasting um, and got a lot of success from it. So that would be somebody that I would reach out to. She's someone who I trust as a resource. Um, but overall, I don't know that it is really as much of a, gosh, um, I don't know if it has as much magical powers as folks like to make it out to be. Um, but if it works for you, cause I believe every body and every metabolism is different, then more power to you. It's definitely worth a try. Try anything for 30 days, you know, journal it, keep documenting how you feel and your progress towards your goals. And that'll tell you more than, you know, maybe just what your memory might recall from those 30 days. Um, and suggestions on what you could do to be able to enjoy some coffee. Okay, let me think. I'm gonna put my thinking cap on for you, girl. Um, okay, so let's see. To enjoy some coffee. So the first thing that comes to mind is if you wanna have some coffee in the morning, you really want to make sure that your tummy is as best prepared. It sounds like you have a food intolerance, obviously, to coffee beans. Um, and that's going to make you feel bloated. So there's a couple things we can do. You know, even though you might have a food intolerance, the healthier your gut and the more well-patched your gut is, I guess to say. If you're familiar with the term leaky gut, it means that there's some patches, really, um, to put it really basically, um, in your in your gut that's allowing some of these anti-nutrients and nutrients to seep into your bloodstream and because they are foreign bodies, your body develops um, an immune reaction to it and immune reaction equals swelling. So that's kind of what's going on. So what brings to mind is maybe we need to figure out how to really heal your gut, heal your tummy. That'd be a really good place to start, but that's kind of a long-term solution. That's something to think about now. Start researching gut health, things like that. I highly recommend Chris Kresser is one of my favorite resources for that kind of stuff. Um, and then, but for the immediate, maybe start experimenting. One of the ways to really repair your gut lining, um, is to start drinking really, really healthy, homemade, nutrient dense bone broths. Okay. So we're talking chicken and beef broth are my two favorites. And those will be included in a major publication this summer that I still haven't announced you guys. And I'm so sorry. It's taking me so long. 
I'm waiting for something from um, the company I'm working with to be able to tell everybody about it. Um, but anyways, I'm going to have some good recipes in there, but what it's going to include is kind of how to make the best chicken broth and the best beef broth. Um, and the way to do that is to get really good bones. Um, my chicken broth calls for actually wings, chicken wings. Um, and cause there's a lot of cartilage in there and there's just not a whole lot of meat and things that you're going to miss like you would in the rest of the chicken. And it tastes better, I think, than backbones. Um, you don't get that liver flavor. So I would make a really good broth, um, one that kind of would gel actually in the refrigerator once it cools. That's when you know you've got some really good um, gelatin in there. And I would drink a mug of that in the morning, let that sit and go through your stomach for at least 30 minutes, and then try a cup of coffee and see what happens. Okay, so that was a really long explanation for that one little piece of advice, but I hope that's helpful. Okay, you guys. Well, I hate to do this. You know what? If you guys are okay with sticking around, then I'm okay with it too. I've got four more questions I want to get through really quickly. Okay, run, bake, dog. Hi, Cassie. I was wondering how long it took you to notice changes with your body and weight loss slash reduced inflammation after you went paleo. I'm struggling with patience. Oh, sister, I hear you. It's so hard to be patient, especially when you are surrounded by all of these success stories everywhere. People are like, I lost 80 pounds on paleo after one month. Um, everybody's body is different. So I hear you. It's hard to not compare yourself and it's hard to stay patient with your body because it's going to be different. Um, I probably noticed, you know, when I went paleo, I was really busy doing other things. What, one of the things I kept myself busy with was working out. I kept myself busy working out. I took a weekend job working for Lululemon and I started yoga-ing everywhere. Because I worked for Lululemon, I also started working out in all these crazy gyms and I just meeting people all over the place. And I was also doing paleo, but my focus wasn't on weight loss. You know, it wasn't really on that. It was on how to feel better because I had major, like, maj joint pain. Um, and I was, oh, how old was I? 24. So um, it, I think that one day I looked in the mirror and it was six months later that I really noticed a dis distinct di difference. It was six months was when I had to start buying new clothes. Like that's when I was like, okay, nothing fits. Like there's no no matter of cinching up a belt that is gonna fix this situation. So I started shopping after about six months and then I had to go through a whole nother shopping um, after about 12 months. Um, and it's a long time. That is a long time to wait for something to work, but I'm of the belief that the longer it takes you to get there and the slower the weight comes off, the longer the results will last. So be patient with your body. Make sure you're sleeping enough. You know, that really is a secret. I've worked with so many folks one-on-one. -on -one. Um, that's another way I transitioned my business back to that original question by Roll Paleo. Um, but I started taking one-on-one -on -one clients per my nutrition consulting uh, certification. And that was one of the ways that I really helped turn it into a business. But anyways, of the folks that I've worked with one-on-one, -on -one, I have found that people who are, um, you know, really following a strict paleo protocol, as soon as they start sleeping more at night, you know, like eight hours a night, seven to nine on average, um, and they drink more water, take your half your body weight and drink that in ounces, all of a sudden everything started working. You know, they were like, holy moly, I am, the inflammation is going away. I have more energy. It's like everything just finally fell into place for them. Also make sure you're working out. Okay. Sorry. Trying to be fast. Okay. 
oh my goodness, how do I even say this username? <laughs> Sir Simpsons? S-R? Sarah Thompson. I'm just going to say your name. Sorry, Sarah. I hope you, you're okay with that. Okay. She's asking, what are the best kinds of foods to eat before a workout? Great question, Sarah. Um, and it's something that's going to be included in the Fed and Fit project, a dis, uh, like a full tutorial on that. Um, so I'll give you a very brief answer. Before a workout, it's best to have some protein and some fat because you can't really make use out of carbohydrate right before a workout. You definitely need it right after to help replenish those muscle glycogen levels. Um, but right before a workout, protein and fat is great. I'm talking like a hard-boiled egg and a small handful of almonds or a hard-boiled egg with a little mayo on it and some crunchy sea salt. That sounds delicious. Um, something like that about an hour before would be dandy. Um, and, or you can have a full meal, you know, that's the snack option. You could also have a full meal before a workout and make sure you get some good protein and some fats in there. Um, or you could also, you can actually work out fasting as well. If you're one of those superhero morning workout folks that likes to work out at the 5am CrossFit class, more power to you. I used to be one of you and then I did not anymore. Um, so if you're one of those folks and you feel fine during a workout after just waking up and rolling out of bed and going into the gym, then you can definitely do that. Um, your body is going to use really those fat stores for energy and after a while you'll adjust to it. Okay. Second to last question. Um, Tina Gagnon, I think I said your name right. She's looking for the right program to build muscle. I'm so confused. Low carb, high fat, intermittent fasting, six meals or three cardio and weights, or high intensity or just weights. I just want to build muscle. Oh my gosh. I totally hear your frustration. I know where you're coming from, Tina. Okay. The right program to build muscle. So I would say of folks that I've worked with that have been the most successful with building muscle, um, you know, okay, this is, this is going to be hard because in my experience, you kind of have to build up everything and then start to, you know, lose a little bit of body fat to go back down to where you just have more muscle. Okay. Um, that's the fast way to go. The slow way to go is to, I'll tell you the slow way first. The slow way to go is to essentially eat a paleo lifestyle, follow a paleo lifestyle plan. Um, so no grains, start making sure that you are taking in a lot of, um, easily digested protein and carbohydrates after your workouts definitely roll in some strength training at least once a day. Um, cardio is great to make sure that you're staying nice and balanced. Make sure you're getting in some stretching. Um, make sure, so put a focus on your post-workout meal. So within an hour after finishing, get some easily digested proteins um, and those carbohydrates. So we're talking about uh, squashes, potatoes, uh, beets, plantains, those are all really great resources. And then for easily digested uh, proteins that you can really use, your body can make really faster use of, I'm thinking of things like uh, shredded chicken, you know, proteins that are cooked in a slow cooker or a pressure cooker. And this kind of sounds gross, but what you're trying to get at is proteins that are almost the, the digestion process has kind of already started, right? So if it's slow cook, fall off the bone, uh, roast out of the pressure cooker or slow cooker, your body can really use it faster. Um, so those kinds of proteins, make sure you're not afraid of fat. So be taking in a lot of healthy fats, make sure you're sleeping enough and drinking enough water and also make sure you're rolling in some rest days. 
Okay, so at least, at least one day a week minimum, no activity. I mean, you can go out and you can walk the dog and go get the mail, um, but don't think that just a three mile run qualifies a rest day, it doesn't. So um, a real rest day, at least once a week. I take two rest, day, rest days a week um, at minimum. Um, and then as far as number of meals to eat, I'm a big believer in three full meals a day because I think that it really trains our metabolism to go back to fat adapted state, which is really our more natural, healthy state of being where in between meals, you get hungry enough to where your body can revert to using body fat for energy. Um, so that's kind of a personal choice. It, it depends. Now the, that's the long way to do it. That's going to get you a while. Make sure you're strength training and make sure you're replenishing after workouts. The short route is going to be to just eat more fat and protein and carbohydrates across the board. And if it means splitting it up into six meals or five meals a day, um, so that you can eat more then you do it and you just keep eating and you work out, um, lift a lot of weights. Um, and then you will, you'll just, you'll get, you could possibly get larger all together. Um, and then once you get to that state, then start cutting back on some of the carbohydrates, um, on calories overall, start drinking even more water, start rolling in more cardio so that your body will kind of slim back down, but hopefully maintain a lot of that, um, the muscle that you've built up. So I hope that answers your question and doesn't confuse you anymore. Okay. Very last question. Um, Megan Hawkins, Hawkins, what is your take on natural sugars and daily fruit servings? I keep hearing conflicting information. Obviously white sugar isn't good, but what about things like dates and honey? So again, good advice versus good advice. You're going to hear it all. Uh, but I will tell you my take on it. So I think that it's all fine in when you don't consume it to excess. Pretty much. Let's put it in a nutshell. Um, everything in moderation. I'm kind of that kind. I'm really that kind of girl. Now that being said, the Fat and Fit Project calls for no uh, sugars, no I guess um, liquid sugars even. So honey, molasses, and maple syrup are out on the Fat and Fit Project. That doesn't mean that I don't personally indulge in them every once in a while, but I'm kind of at the infinity and beyond stage of the Fat and Fit Project, which is something that we've integrated, um, steps to, you know, what's, what's after the 28 days. Um, so instead I'm a big believer in getting your sugars from starchy carbohydrates like squashes and beets on occasion, uh, potatoes and plantains, getting those kinds of sugars, and then also getting sugars from fruits. Now, some fruits pack more of a sugary punch than others. And if we lean on them too much because they're delicious, um, gosh, man, like a mango, for example, is one of the sh most sugary fruits out there. It's dang tasty. Um, it's hard to really stop when you get a really good fresh mango and there's some good nutrients there. I'm not saying it's a bad food, but it's easy to overeat a really sugary fruit, which would then go against that moderation thing that I was talking about. So fruits that are easier to stay within a moderate amount are things like berries. I'm a big believer in berries um, being the basis of your fruit. Uh, so those are raspberries, blueberries, um, cherries, not, not as many cherries, but some cherries, things like that, blackberries, strawberries are great. Um, great way to get some fruit in your diet. And then I also am okay with dates. I do use dates to sweeten certain things like uh, coconut milk custards 
and my upcoming protein bar recipe. So, um, and the reason why I'm okay with dates is because I usually break them up and put them into a prepared food. So it's not like you're going to sit there and just mindlessly munch on dates. You know, they're, they're included in a, in a recipe that's already pre-portioned out. So you're not at risk of having too many. So that's kind of my take on sugars. I say go with the option that is going to empower you to not overeat sugar, right? Um, Because a little bit is fine pretty much on almost anything, but a lot of anything is not okay. Um, So that's why I tend to lean on berries, grapefruit, probably not going to sit down and eat five pounds of grapefruit. Um, So that's usually a good one to lean on, lemons and limes. You know, you're not going to overindulge on those either. So, okay, well, you guys, I've kept you for far too long. Thank you for joining me in this entire episode. I had a lot of fun answering your questions. If you'd like me to do more of these, drop me a line and I will, uh, I'll try to fold some of these into more regular shows. So thanks again for joining me, wishing you guys a wonderful week and I will see you again next Monday.